Happy New Year. You can say that, right? It's after Christmas. No, happy, you know, you, can, you can't say that yet? Okay. So what do you say in between Christmas and New Year's? You have a nice day? Hello? Good afternoon? Good morning? All right, sounds good. It's almost New Year, which is exciting. Well, today, guys, we're going to get into uh, Luke chapter 2. As promised, we're looking today at a post-Christmas message, okay, uh, which it'll make a little more sense in a moment, okay? Uh, but the title of the message is My Father's Business, or if you're from Jersey, then it's My Father's Business, okay? Uh, but today, My Father's Business. Uh, what does your dad do for work? Raise a hand. You in the back. He's a correctional officer. Nice. All right. Uh, you in the back. Yeah. Urgent cares. All right. Sweet. Awesome. Does some of you like not know what your dad does? I know. Sometimes I talk to you and you're like, yeah, he, he leaves for a while and then he comes back and we got food on the table, but I don't know what he does. Right. Um, or who, I, okay. Raise your hand if you have a hard time describing what your dad does, where you're like, I want you to know, I just literally don't know how to tell you. Okay. What, what else? What does your dad do? Tiffany. Oh, wow. That's cool. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Detective. That's very cool. Super sweet. All right. Sawyer. Retail at Costco. Yes, I saw him last week. He was very, yeah, very helpful. Ryan. Lawyer. Yes, he is. He's a good, good one, too. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, refrigeration, like my dad. Yeah, that's cool. But my dad does, yeah, di- different. Um, yeah. What? Camp director? Camp director is super cool, right? Uh, do you guys, does anyone ever ask you that? Like, hey, what, what does your dad do for work? Or what do your parents do? Uh, has anyone ever gone to work with your dad? I know Tiffany, you have, right? I know we talked to, you know, he, he puts you to work. Yeah, sometimes you go to work, right, with dad. Um, okay, raise your hand if you want to do what your dad wants to do or what your dad does when, he, when uh, you're older. So like what your dad currently does for work, you're like, yeah, I want to go into that. All right, what, what is it? Shh. Huh? Mechanical engineer, and that's what you want to be? Nice, that's awesome. What about you? A jeweler? Wow, that's cool. And we're going to come to you when that's awesome for when it's my wife's birthday. That's, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He does what? Military drones? That's like the coolest job I've ever heard. Is that what you want to do? Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> what? What'd you say? That is, that is very cool. Well, today, uh, guys, we're gonna, right, we could talk forever about what our, what our dads do and what we might think about it. But today, we're going to look at what Jesus considered his father's business to be. And uh, no, it's not carpentry. Okay? So what we're looking at today is a post-Christmas story, meaning that it comes right after, okay? So Jesus is born. It's what we've been talking about. It's what we have celebrated this week. And then 40 days later, they head to Jerusalem. They present Jesus in the temple to the Lord, according to the law of Moses. Some crazy stuff happens with Herod and some wise men and Egypt. They head to, um, and then where we're going to pick it up today 
is Luke chapter 2, verse 39, when the family is on their way to kind of settle down, right? During Jesus' birth, there's kind of a lot going on, right? You got shepherds, wise men, uh, king trying to kill him. They got to go to Egypt for a time. It's got, you know, uh, Mary has a baby, but she, you know, never did what you needed to have a baby before. It's just a crazy beginning for Jesus. But what happens after that uh, is he really, him and his family, they settle down. Now, the story that we're looking at today is the only story in the Bible between Jesus as a child and Jesus as an adult. We find him here in this scripture 12 years old, okay? There's only one story in between Jesus being a baby, an infant, and between an adult, and that is when he is 12 years old, what we're going to read today. Raise your hand if you're 12. Raise your hand, nice, nice and high, all right? Raise your hand if you were 12 at one point. Raise your hand if you're going to be 12 at some point. Okay, all right, sweet. So we got a wide range today, wide range. But that's what we're going to be looking at. The next time after this story that we see Jesus in the biblical timeline, he is 30 years old. There is what scholars consider the 18-year silent period. Listen up, everyone, listen. There's the 18-year silent period of Jesus's life meaning we don't hear anything that happens between the ages of 12 and 20, uh, sorry, 12 and 30 after this story. Now, the Bible's very clear that Jesus is our example. Have you guys ever heard that before? Right? Jesus is our example. Well, Jesus is also our example, even as a 12-year-old, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. I want you to write down some verses, just two about Jesus being our example. You know, as we look at the life of Jesus, you and I are to implement into our lives the way that he had lived, right? It's not that we have to do the exact things that Jesus did, right? None of us are gonna be able to walk on water and different things like that, unless God would call us like Peter. Uh, but it's, it's how Jesus lived that we are to live. John 13, 16 says, for I have given you an example. Everyone say example. Right, a pattern that you should do as I have done to you. And then the other verse is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. You can note it down. It says this, He who says he abides in him, in God, in Jesus, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Right? We all know that we are to live like Jesus. Well, the pattern that we're going to look at today is exciting, and I'm excited to present it to you as we look at the Word of God, uh, for the reason of it is that age to which you are at. And you're like, well, I'm 13. Okay, well, you were 12, right? You're in that category, okay? Whether you're 11 or 13 or 14, you are around the age of 12. And this is the only story that we have in the Bible of Jesus at this age. And so we're gonna look at what our example is. What, what can we learn from this story that is there? All right, sound good? All right, so are you guys turned in your Bibles to Luke chapter two? You're gonna need to be. Luke chapter 2, you guys there? All right, check out verse 39, and then we're going to read down to verse 52. So we're basically finishing off the chapter. Just like, uh, you know, for if you were here for Christmas Eve service or maybe Christmas morning, your dad might have opened to Luke chapter 2, but you probably didn't finish the whole chapter because it kind of transitions to not being about the Christmas story anymore. Well, we're looking at that transition today in verse 39. 
Verse 39 says this. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child, who is Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to, to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Verse 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why do you, did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And verse 51 and 52, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Father in heaven, we come to you uh, as we come to your word. Lord, we know that you are the author of this word, that we do not look at a nice story or a tall tale. Lord, we look at the very word of God this historical story that did happen in the life of Jesus. And Lord, we know that you have seen fit to put this story about Jesus being 12 years old. You've put it in the scriptures for a reason. And we pray that at the end of today's study, we would know that reason, we would understand that reason, and that we would go on to live the life that you want us to live, that we would truly do what Jesus would do. We would live the life that you want us to live. And not, not because we're trying to earn your favor, Lord, but because you are a father in heaven and we want to please you. And so God, we give you this time as we look to your word in Jesus name. And we all said, amen. amen. All right. So pretty awesome, awesome story. Uh, it's kind of funny in some parts as we go through it. I hope to point out to you some of those, some of those things. Oh, whoop. There we go. Uh, some of those things that kind of, you know, are like, what, what the heck? What just happened? But it kind of opens up in verse 39 and 40. And right, this is kind of that transition from the, the Christmas story. They're in Egypt because of King Herod was crazy. But now they're headed home. Now Jesus and Joseph and Mary, they're headed home to Nazareth to begin to settle down. Remember, this is where Joseph and Mary were from. This is where the angel visited them in a dream was when they were in Nazareth. The reason that they had to go to Bethlehem was because of that census, right? Because of, the, uh, because of Joseph and his line, and they had to travel there. And they were there for a time. They were in Egypt for a time, but now they're headed home. Now, it's interesting to note this place, Nazareth. Look at verse 39. 
right? So specific. It gives us the, the region of Galilee, but specifically the city that we know Jesus grew up and lived in was the city of Nazareth. It's interesting to note that this would be his title into his ministry and even into eternity, that even Jesus now is known as Jesus of Nazareth. Even those early followers of his, they weren't just called Christians, but sometimes early followers of Jesus would be called Nazarenes because he lived in Nazareth. Now, when Jesus came on the scene, when, if we were to fast forward 18 years and Jesus begins his public ministry, uh, people were shocked that someone out, would come out of Nazareth with the type of knowledge and authority that Jesus had. It was said that nothing good would come out of Nazareth. And Jesus took this city, this whole, uh, you know, podunk kind of town, this backwoods, no one wanted to go there. And yet even now into eternity, what, Paul, what he would say to Saul on the road to Damascus, he would say, it is Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. I just think it's interesting that even now, as Jesus is in heaven, that he still identifies himself with the city of Nazareth. It's an amazing thing to me, and I think something uh, noteworthy. This is where he grew up, and it was not a place, it was not a favorable place. It wasn't like, oh, wow, he grew up in Beverly Hills. Oh, wow, he, he grew up in Manhattan. Like, that's, wow, that's like a big, big city. No, this was a backwoods. No one, no one even cared. No one even said the word Nazareth. It was just like, no, yeah, that's just, that's just Nazareth. No one cares. Yeah. Sure, exactly. It's like desert towns that you don't really care about. But then, so we get that information, okay? But then look at verse 40. I want to point out to you in verse 40, it gives us kind of these four details regarding Jesus's development, okay? So we see that they headed home, they kind of settled down, and, and, but we have that gap still between Jesus as an infant and him becoming 12 years old. So what happens during those years? Well, we see here in verse 40 that it gives us four different details. Look, you can look at the scripture. The first thing is that he grew, right? Look at verse 40. It says, and the child grew. And, and this is referring to that he grew physically. It, it was, he, this was a normal thing, okay? Uh, he got taller, he got bigger, just like you guys are still growing, right? So he grew physically. The second thing is that he did not just grow physically, but the Bible would describe, and this is noticed as Jesus is a, a 12-year-old. This is who he has grown into just in these handful of years between infant, infancy and the teenage years. Now, when the Bible says that he became strong in spirit, don't think about like, you know, eight-year-old Jesus like lifting weights and doing push-ups. Now, I'm, I'm sure he, you know, was in good shape, took, took care of uh, his body. That would, that would make sense. We know later he was a carpenter. But when it says strong in spirit, that's not strong in body, it's strong in spirit. Uh, meaning that just as getting strong physically doesn't happen magically, it's not just like, oh my gosh, do you see my biceps? I did nothing. Look at them and they're huge. That doesn't happen, right? Well, in a similar way to become like Jesus, strong in spirit, that doesn't just happen. It's just not just, oh, wow, I have this strength, uh, which means that, that he was healthy in this area, right? He was someone of confidence, even at this young age. The third thing that's mentioned, you can note it down, is that he was filled with wisdom. 
Now, you need to know that wisdom is not just something for old people, right? Oh, he's so wise and gray-headed, okay? That, that though many people, older people have wisdom, even as a child, Jesus was marked with being a wise person, which if you don't know what the word wisdom means, it basically means to, uh, to know what to do and when to do it. That's wisdom. It's to know what to do and when to do it. The fourth detail that we find in verse 40 here in the text is that he had the grace of God upon him. In other words, he had God's blessings, that God's good hand was with Jesus every step of the way. He didn't just uh, come into the world and God the Father was, was hands off. It wasn't just when he started his public ministry, but it, would, it was even in his preparation years. Now, as you look at these things, it's no wonder that Luke, who is the writer of this book, that's why it's called Luke, if you don't know, uh, he was a doctor. And of course, he puts in some of these details regarding the development of Jesus. I just find that interesting. So we see that they're headed home. And then we get to verses 41 through 50. And this is when they lose Jesus. You see, Luke's account of the gospel story here at verse 41, do you guys see verse 41 in your Bibles? That is basically a fast forward uh, to when Jesus is now 12. It's a scene change. Have you guys ever been watching a movie and there's that opening scene and something crazy happens, right? It's like something gnarly and you're like, wow, this is a crazy opening scene. And then it kind of goes black and then it's like, 10 years later, right? And then it opens up again and the, guy, and the person's older and there's like, and you're like trying to figure out what happened. And because they were trying to give you a lot of context into what, the, what they were actually trying to tell you, right? That's kind of a similar idea. And in your mind, you could you know, say, okay, 10 years later, this is what's happening. It's that scene change. It's a fast forward here that we see in verse 41, and what we see here, starting in verse 41, we see that his parents would begin to make yearly trips to Nazareth, from Nazareth to Jerusalem, right? So they settled down in Nazareth. And the Bible says that every year around the time of Passover, the family would gather together and they would head down to Jerusalem to observe the feast of Passover, you see, this gives us insight that Mary and Joseph were, were a, was a man and a woman who, who followed after the Lord, that they were obedient to what God had asked them to do. The Bible describes for us that three times a year, Jewish men were to travel from wherever they were, from their hometown, and they were to go to Jerusalem to observe these uh, religious, these worshipful feasts. Now, if you were a family who didn't have much money, which Jesus and his family growing up, they lived in Nazareth, which means they didn't have much money, then you would be able to kind of pick one feast. You would just pick which one. Usually it would be Passover, and at least you'd be able to come to Passover because, you know, traveling's not cheap, right? You got to work. You got to pay the bills. And so for them, they would now go once a year. And these trips that all Israelites would take, these Jewish men who, with their families who would want to obey the Lord, would observe this law that was given, it would be like this big old thing, okay? You'd get your relatives, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, maybe even some neighbors, and you'd be like, all right, let's head down together. And so 
what happens for us in this scene is that Jesus, who's 12 years old now, family, friends, in a big caravan, they begin heading down from Nazareth to Jerusalem, okay? To give you a little perspective, uh, this was, uh, this length, this distance in time, this would have taken them three days. Remember, they can't get on a train, they're not flying, you can't load up the, the van and head on out, uh, you gotta walk. And when you have women, women and children, they would go first, they would head down and then the, the men would take up the caboose and so they'd go at sometimes even a slow rate. And so this would take three days, meaning three different nights they'd have to settle down, uh, kind of tent camp in that sense and, and, and you know, eat meals along the way. It would be a big thing. And so they would head down to Jerusalem together to be able to observe the feast. There would be a lot of people in Jerusalem at this time. This would have been a, a great big celebration, okay? Now, I believe it is significant that if you look at verse 42, it tells us the specific age of Jesus. You might not recognize that at first and realize that's a big deal, but that's a detail that the scripture gives us. Now, as we get to verse 43, so the family heads down, okay? They come down in this big caravan, Sawyer, ask me after, uh, and they head down in this big caravan, okay? And they get to Jerusalem, they observe the feast, and so guess what they do after that? They head home, right? They, they do what's needed. They might have been there for a few days, even as long as a week, and then they, they head back home. But guess who they left behind? The Bible says for us that Jesus lingered behind. Did any of you guys watch Home Alone this Christmas season? Okay, it's, it's almost like that. It's like Jesus got home alone, okay, uh, where his parents leave. But it's interesting, you know, because I don't want you to have in your mind, wow, Mary and Joseph, like God gave them one job and they couldn't, they couldn't take care of it. Like they're just supposed to watch Jesus. Okay, don't get in your mind that Mary and Joseph were like bad parents, but also don't get in your mind that Jesus was like this rebellious teenager. He's like, I'm gonna stay behind. Now, the Bible says that he lingered, right? It means he, he, he hung back. But Jesus didn't do that because he like, he's like, I hate Nazareth. He's like, I never wanna go back to that place. Or he's like, I just wanna rebel against my parents. I'm gonna stay behind. It wasn't for any of those reasons. You see, I believe what we're about to witness and, and as we go through this uh, is there for a reason, and so don't think that there was disobedience from Jesus and don't think that there was bad parenting on the part of Jesus uh, or Joseph and Mary. And so Jesus stays behind, okay, Jerusalem. He stays back. They head back. It's a three-day journey to head back home. They assume, right, the Bible says that they suppose that Jesus was with them. It means that they assume like, yeah, Jesus is going to be with us. We're all good. We got family, relatives. And so you could even go, they went a day's journey. So as much as you would walk in a day, some, there's debate on how many miles that would be. But they get a good amount of distance. And then Mary's like, where's Jesus? And then they go around to different family members, aunts and uncles. Maybe Elizabeth was with them. And John the Baptist was maybe like a little boy or like he would have been like 13 as well. Um, and, you know, maybe they're asking, you know, hey, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. We saw him back. In and they realize after asking everyone and they're yelling out Jesus, oh, oh my gosh, we, we lost him. He's not here. And so they, you know, they, they get together and like, well, we got to go back. We got to find him. I mean, he's literally the son of God. Okay. So we got to go back. So they head back to Jerusalem and the Bible tells us 
for whatever reason, it took them three days to find Jesus. I don't know why, because in my mind, it's a day back. And for whatever reason, it took them three days to find Jesus, but thank God they found him. Well, the Bible describes for us that when they find him, they find him in the temple. And Jesus was there. If you look at verse 45, uh, sorry, verse 46, they find him in the temple sitting in the midst of these religious teachers. In your mind, you could have, uh, you know, imagine Jesus, 12-year-old boy, sitting around all, all the pastors and, and asking questions, answering uh, different things that they're talking about, engage in conversation about the Lord, about the word of God. Look at verse 47. The Bible says that everyone who heard so there were people watching, apparently. There were the, these religious uh, people that were talking, these priests, these uh, people in uh, spiritual authority, that they were hearing him, and everyone's blown away. The Bible says that they were astonished. It means to be utterly amazed, that they, they couldn't believe it. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 47, that's where we're looking. In the Phillips version of the Bible, he puts it like this, all those who heard him were astonished at his powers of comprehension and at the answers that he gave. It was like they were looking at they were looking at him. They were listening to him. They're like, "How do you even know that?" And they were they were blown away. They were tripping out. If people had phones, they would have been like recording it. They would have put it up on Instagram and be like, "Look at this kid. He's like a genius regarding the law, regarding the word of God." And there's this engagement that the Bible describes for us. That there is questions and answers and 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 he was listening to them. And, and, they, and his wisdom and his understanding was revealed. And so his parents, they see him, and the Bible says that they're amazed. Maybe they overheard a conversation that they were having, and maybe he, they heard the questions he was asking. Well, Mary then, if you look at verse 48 in your Bibles, you guys still tracking along? It's a lot easier if you actually look at the verse when I tell you, I promise. So verse 48, that's when Mary's like, he, she, she comes to Jesus and she, she's like, Jesus, son, like, why'd you do this to us, right? Imagine your mom, okay, if you were like, if you hung back and you weren't supposed to or whatever it might be. He'd be like, Where'd you, what happened? Why did you do this to us? We've been looking for you anxiously. It means that they were, they were terribly distressed and worried. I mean, it took three days for them to find him. Have you guys ever been lost? Or have you, ever, have you ever tried to find someone who's lost? Raise your hand. If you like someone, like we, we are somewhere and this person was lost, it's a terrifying thing. Maybe when you're a kid, yeah, church, right? You're trying to find your parents and everyone's gone or, or right? There's all these different circumstances. I remember when I was a kid, there's, right, those different times you're in the store and there's that sinking feeling when you realize you're not with who you're supposed to be. Whether, whatever end you're on. I remember um, before Haley and I were married, it was the summer before uh, we were married, her and her family went on a trip to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Anyone ever been there? Super nice, super awesome. They stayed at this awesome resort, but I hung back because we weren't married yet. So we were getting married in October. This was like July. And so, you know, I'm, I'm here doing whatever work and doing my own thing. And, and so I'm here, she's there with her family, okay? And I get this call, and it's Haley, it's my wife, and she's freaking out. I mean, she's crying, she's like, can't, 
doesn't know what to do. So uh, apparently, when they're at this resort, they had just heard a story about, all right, it's Mexico. Okay, if you know a little bit about Mexico, it's not always the safest place, depending on where you're at. Okay, they just heard this story about someone, um, someone almost getting like kidnapped and taken. And so they heard this story from someone and then, you know, they, whatever, they go on their day, they're, they're lounging by the pool, right? They, they have their, uh, you know, uh, they have their reading their books and, you know, lounging in the infinity pools. And so they had plans. Okay, let's meet back in the hotel room at six o'clock and we'll go to dinner. Well, all of them did except Haley's mom. Haley's mom fell asleep by the pool. However, she was tucked away with a hat on her face and uh, not being able to be noticed. And so, so for the next two or three hours, uh, her dad and her brother and, her, and, and, her, and Haley are running around the, the complex thinking her, you know, her mom got stolen by the cartel. She's calling me. I'm like, I can't do anything. Like, talk to the people there. I don't. They get the security involved. Everyone's looking for her. And then they see her mom walk in hat sideways, looking like she just woke up from a nap. And they, you know, they're all crying because they really, I mean, they really thought something happened. It was like that long. It's a terrible feeling, right? And so this is the, this is the emotions that Joseph and Mary are feeling. And Jesus is just there, just answering, you know, he's, and he's not like goofing off. He's there uh, in the temple. He's there asking questions and looking into things and, and talking. And, and so she asked him that question, like, why'd you do this to us? And Jesus responds back with two questions. Hey, look at verse 49. Verse 49. It says, so, and he said to them, to mom and dad, why did you seek me? It's like, well, what do you mean, Jesus? Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You see, in our English language, doesn't it almost come across sassy? You're like, Jesus, dang, Jesus, you're going to talk to Mary like that? It's like, it's like almost comes across a little sassy. Like, why, well, why'd you even, why'd you even like look for me? Like, don't you know I'm busy over here being about my father's business? And, and it, it can almost come across sassy, but don't get the picture. I think that's unfortunately the, the English. This is not disrespectful in any way towards them. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus said, he must. Do you guys see that? He must be about his father's business, meaning it is not optional. In the NASB version, it puts it like this, that Jesus says, I must be in the things of my father, or I must be about the affairs or the work of my father. Now, what you need to know, he's not talking about Joseph, okay? He's not talk, talking about becoming a master carpenter, right? He's in the temple, He's learning about the Bible. He's asking questions. There's this dynamic. Warren Wiersbe says this about this passage. He says, in, in Jesus' response, Jesus was affirming his divine sonship, right? He's talking about his father in heaven and his mission to do the will of the father. You see, though Mary and Joseph, they were worried sick, right? They were anxious, I think Jesus wanted to communicate to them that, that he was under his heavenly father's care and protection. That even if they got separated, even if something happened, that, that he had a father in heaven and, and, and he was about his business. I want you to note down John chapter four, verse 34. There's this uh, story in the Bible where Jesus talks with the woman at the well and ministers to her and pretty awesome story. 
And the disciples are away during this time to go buy food for Jesus and themselves. They get back, and after buying uh, Jesus food, right, they got him some falafel and some pita and stuff. It says that, that he tells them that he has food to eat to which they do not know of. He says, no, I'm full. And they're like, wait, you didn't eat anything. They start looking around. Did you give him food? Did you give him food? Like we got him the falafel. Like he should, he should eat it. What, what's going on here? Well, John 4 says this. Jesus said to them, my food, what sustains me, what I'm about is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, that's what Jesus was communicating. Now, I want you to notice that within this context, for Jesus being about his, his father's business, it involves learning and growing in the things of God. You see, for Jesus, during this time in his life as a 12-year-old, it was an obvious time of preparation. And, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a time of preparation. And what makes this story even more incredible is when you have a full view of the historical context, right? You guys realize that the Bible was written a long time ago. And things are a whole lot different now, very different in a lot of different ways, right? That, that's why when we talked about Mary a handful of weeks ago and I told you that she was like, uh, you know, anywhere between 13 and 16, you guys like couldn't believe it because you're like, what, how, how is that even possible? Because things worked a lot different back then, right? And when you realize that in that day, it was a very natural thing that when a boy turns about 12 years old, that he would begin learning the trade of his father. He would begin to take up his father's business with him. He would begin to learn to go to work with dad. I mean, imagine you right now, some of you are a little older than 12, but imagine at 12 years old, your mom's like, all right, you're done with school now. You're going to work with your dad. You're going to start learning air conditioning. You're going to start learning how to uh, be a mechanical engineer. You're going to start learning. And, and now no more school. You're, you're going to work with your dad. He's going to train you up. You're going to take on the business, whether it was the jewelry or whatever it might have been, right? Uh, imagine that. I mean, it's very different now. But you know, we conclude that, that Jesus did end up following in his father, who is Joseph, his footsteps, that biblically it makes a lot of sense that he would have become a carpenter. Yet his words here show us that he would also take up his heavenly father's business. See, within this context of Jesus, right, Jesus had self-imposed limitations, meaning that when Jesus said, I'm going to come into the world, when God sent Jesus into the world, that Jesus, the Bible describes that he laid down some of those rights that he has. Still fully God, but he chose to become a baby. Well, in that self-imposed limitations, there was some point when Jesus as a human, as a child, he began to realize who he was. He began to recognize what he was here to do. And we know that that age was early. It was sometime before 12. Because at this point in Jesus' life, he already knew who he was, and he knew what he was to be about. It had already been established. And so, right, Jesus says this to Mary and Joseph in verse 50. It says, like, they don't understand. They're like, I, I don't get it. They're like, you're about your father's business. Your father's business is back in Nazareth with carpentry. I don't, I don't understand Jesus. Well, I hope today, as we get into the application soon, I hope we're not guilty of the same, 
that we would understand what Jesus is talking about. But I want to show you two verses, and then we'll get into how this applies to our life, okay? Uh, We get some in-between verses. Verses 51 and 52 are the in-between verses of those of what's taking place in those silent years, okay? Those from, eight, from uh, age 12 to age 30. It says, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So after this interaction, Jesus now heads back this time, doesn't linger back again, and heads back to Nazareth with Mary and Joseph. Now, I want you to note down that it says that Jesus was subject to them. This is a willing obedience, okay? This is to be willingly obedient. It is to be continually submissive, meaning that when the Bible says that Jesus went back with Mary and Joseph and was subject to them, This wasn't forced upon him, that even as a 12-year-old, this was something that he said, I'm going to be subject to them. I'm going to have this willing obedience, that he's going to choose to do this. And the Bible tells us that Mary kept all these things in her heart, that she was uh, aware of what was going on, and she just pondered them. You see, for Jesus to be about his father's business meant to be submissive to those who God put over him. You see, he was still about his father's business, but it looked different than just being in the temple. And then verse 52, which is the very last verse in chapter two. Look at your Bibles, the very last verse. We see a very similar verse to how it began, right? Verse 52 says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. When it says that Jesus increased, it means that he advanced, right? He didn't like stay a 12 year old, he he grew. Yes, still physically, but also so much more than that. It says that he grew in wisdom, right? He, he kept growing. He kept growing in wisdom. We talked about stature, he, meaning physically. He, got, he became a man. Hey, Jesus didn't stay a 12-year-old boy. When Jesus entered his ministry, he was a man. And because of those first two, because he grew physically and spiritually, he had favor with God and men, which is an awesome thing. The question for you today is some of you are, are doing that second one a lot. You're growing in stature, meaning that uh, when you came into junior high, you were like this, and now you're like this, okay? You are growing. Some of you guys are experiencing that in a lot of different ways, okay? You're growing, and that's a good thing. And some of you are growing physically, but the question I have for you today is, are you growing spiritually? Like Jesus, he both grew physically and he grew spiritually, and they were simultaneous. See, some of you are, are getting bigger. You're even, some of you are like huge, and you're starting to look like men, but some of you still act like boys. You see, there is a difference. There's a big difference. There's even a lot of grown men, old men, who still act like little boys, Grown women who still act like little girls spiritually. You see, I find it fascinating that the first 30 years of Jesus' life, there wasn't too much that anyone would consider extraordinary. Right? You would look at the life of Jesus in between his birth and his ministry, and you'd be like, yeah, there's nothing too supernatural about it. 
it was clear that Jesus went back home with his parents and eventually took on Joseph's trade and he was faithful in these areas. See, what I want you to know down about this, I like this quote from George H. Morrison. He says this, a Christian does not always do extraordinary things. Sometimes you can look at the life of Jesus and think it was just jam-packed. He had a crazy beginning and a radical ending. But in between, there's a lot of preparation years. But what he did with those years made him into the man that he became. He says, he goes on, he says, he do, the Christian does ordinary things in extraordinary ways. You see, my prayer as I've been going through this with you guys this morning, as we've been going through this passage, my prayer is that God's been speaking to you already. That he's been speaking to you about what the application might be. You see, that as we've gone through it verse by verse, we've understand, okay, this is a story, but what does this look like for you? What does this look like for you as you enter 2021? Well, let me break it down for you very simply, okay? We are to be busy about our Father's business. This is the Christian's New Year resolution, okay? It is to be busy about our Father's business. You might be really busy, but are you busy about what God wants in your life? As that 12-year-old boy would begin to go to work with his dad, would begin to train and learn, you are at that age of accountability where you've known a lot, but are you living it? You see, in this direct context, there are two specific applications for what this looks like, right? Jesus was being busy about his father's business. How did he do that? Well, number one, I want you to note it down. He was investing into the knowledge of God. You see, every other 12-year-old would have been goofing off or freaking out if they were left behind like that, right? Home alone, goofing off. Other kids, freaking out, right? Where's mom and dad? All that stuff. Yet we see Jesus without, notice, everyone listen, without the enforcement of his parents pursuing the knowledge of God, a knowledge of who he is. Now, if Jesus who was God in flesh, had to learn and grow in knowledge, how much more do we? You see, to be busy about your father's business, you first have to know your father, right? There is automatically, you have to know who he is. There's, there's a relationship there. And so are you investing into growing your knowledge of God? Are you listening like Jesus was in the temple? Are you asking questions like Jesus? Maybe you don't know and you need to ask questions. Are you able to give answers like Jesus, right? He was able to respond and have conversations because he had invested into the knowledge of God. Okay, that one's clear. That one's obvious. But the second one looks different, but is just as important. He, he was being subject to his parents, and the second thing for us today, I believe that God wants you guys to hear today, that being busy about your father's business doesn't always look like extraordinary and glamorous and big and bold and loud. For Jesus, the majority of his life, it was quiet and ordinary. It was simple. 
that he went back and he was subject to his parents. It is to have a willing and continual obedience. It's amazing to think about, I was thinking about this yesterday, that God, okay, Jesus, God in flesh, he was willing to put his parents in a position of rule and authority over him when he was the one who created them. Just think about that. I'm gonna willingly put you as my authority in my life, though I created you. How much more should you and I, the creation, respect, honor, and willingly, consistently obey the mom and the dad that God has put in our lives? See, Jesus knew that during these years of his life, being in subjection to his parents, that he was being about his father's business. What did God the Father want for Jesus the Son? It was to live in subjection to his parents. It means under the rule and authority. You see, guys, the thing is, for, for all of you, whether you like it or not, you are under the rule and authority of your parents. The key with being subject under them is that you release uh, your authority, what you think you have, your rule, and you say, no, like you are the authority in my life given to me by God. They're gonna be that rule and authority, but some of you who are rebelling against that God-given authority in your life and rebelling against your parents, you need to know that when you rebel against your parents, you are rebelling against God. When you disobey and disrespect mom and dad, you are disobeying and disrespecting God himself. But sometimes we don't think about it like that. Oh, I love God. I want to follow him. I don't care about my mom and dad. Those two, those two things do not go together. I hope you guys are listening. This is not uh, um, supposed to be I hope it's an encouragement to you guys. I hope it's an exhortation to you guys. You see, are you living in a way where you are subject to your parents? Where you are willingly and willingly, meaning they don't have to put all these restrictions because of your rebellion. And well, well I obey them, but it's because I, if I don't, then, I'm, then this is. Are, do you want to be busy about your father's business? Some of you don't. And then this, this message isn't for you. But if you want, to follow the path that God has in your life. For Jesus, it was years of not big, glamorous ministry, but it was living in subjection to his parents. You see, Jesus began recognizing who he was and why he was here at age 12. Everyone say 12. You realize that? He, he knew. He knew who he was and he knew why he was here. There are adults, old, that still don't know who they are and why they are here. And I believe even as a 12-year-old, you, everyone look at me, you can begin to recognize like Jesus, this is who I am in the Lord, and this is why I'm here. It's called purpose, and you, and you have it, and you will not find it outside of the Lord. You will not find it outside of a willing obedience to right now as a, as, as a minor, as someone who is still under your parents, you won't find that 
outside a willing obedience to them. Does that make sense? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the last verse I want to share with you, and we'll close. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, my prayer for a lot of you is that even now that God stirs your heart for something, something, some kind of ministry, some kind of service to him, some kind of purpose for your life. But seeking first the kingdom as an 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old, I believe it's those two things. It's being about, busy about your father's business, increasing in the knowledge of God, and, and truly living and subject to your parents, even if you don't like them. Okay, you might never say it to another soul, which I hope you don't. You know, I, I hate my parents. I don't like my parents. Even if your parents are bad parents, where it's like, even I would say, you, you bring them in to me, and I'd be like, yeah, they're, they're really bad. Even in that, God has asked you to be subject to them. See, he was subject to his own creation. He created Mary and Joseph. Think about that. And he's asked you to be subject to them. So 18 years forward, you fast forward 18 years from this point as a 12-year-old about Jesus being busy about his father's business, right? Being subject to his parents, increasing the knowledge of God. Jesus steps into 18 years, fast forward, he steps into his public ministry. And one of the first things that he does is he is baptized by John the Baptist, and the Bible describes for us when Jesus is baptized that John, right, dunks him. And, and as he's coming up, there is the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove, meaning it wasn't an actual dove, but there was something visible, tangible that was coming upon Jesus. The Bible describes that the heavens opened up and God's voice went forth and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was amazing. There was, it was God's stamp of approval on Jesus's life. And my prayer is that for each and every one of us, that God would be able to say something similar. This is my daughter. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so our New Year's resolution is simple. It is to be about our father's business. God, we just come before you and Lord, we, as always, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. Lord, I thank you just in the, in the sphere of junior high that this story is in the Bible. Lord, I know for, for many students here, even right now, that they feel that conviction, that it's something that you have been talking to them about about how they've been talking to their parents, about how they've been thinking towards them or rebelling against them. Lord, would you show them what you desire for them? Would you show them, Lord, that if, if they're gonna pursue you, that this is attached, that this is what you've commanded, this is what you've said. Lord, I pray that, that for each and every one of us here today, that we would Lord, not just relax and coast and be comfortable, but we would do the, the difficult and the hard and the uncomfortable. That we would be busy about kingdom work. We would seek first the kingdom of God. 
or that you would teach us how to do that, that you would convict us. Lord, when we get off path, would you bring us back on? Lord, we want to learn that trade in a sense. Lord, we want to learn from you. We want to be like Mary, who was a sister of Martha, sitting at your feet, learning from you. Lord, we need that. We want that. Lord, for any of us that are stagnant in our relationship with you, it's not moving. It's not getting, it's not getting better, but it's certainly getting worse. Lord, that we haven't been investing or growing. Lord, I just pray that you would, you would stir us up for good works, that you would stir us up for a, a pursuit after you, that our soul would follow close behind you. Lord, forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us for, for having the word of God at our fingertips and not reading it, not getting to know you, not investing into you. Lord, I pray with my brothers and sisters here that you'd forgive us of our, of our disobedience to our parents. Lord, our disrespect, and, and even for adults, thinking about that commandment that you should honor your father and mother, that was given to adults. So even for us who are over 18, Lord, you've called us to honor mom and dad. Lord, would we do that? Would we represent them well? Would we, Lord, just be be the servants that you want us to be? Lord, I pray for each student that they would just determine in their heart to be busy about your business, which, Lord, doesn't look always extraordinary. Lord, it is in the simple and sometimes the quietness of a home or the chaos of a home that that obedience reflects. And so, Lord, we love you. We look to you. Lord, we know that we're not where we should be, but we know we want to get where you want us to be. And so, Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to live a life for you, not ourselves, not our comforts, not our desires. We want to have that purpose like Jesus had. He knew who he was and what he was here to do. Lord, we pray that you would impart that to us now. And so, Lord, we look to you as we worship. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen.